Hi, and welcome to the Delivery Manager Daily Podcast, where I, your host, Mario De Cristofano, will talk to you about life as a delivery manager. We'll talk about strategy, tactics, things to do, not to do, and wrap all that up in a way which makes sense. This is an attempt at a daily series of podcasts which are released across wherever you get your podcasts from, and an occasional YouTube video version with bonus content, should you want that. If you want to get in touch or get involved with the podcast, or maybe even be a sponsor, get in touch via Twitter at DM underscore daily, or check out the blog, mariosblog.co.uk. Hello and welcome to uh, this episode of the Delivery Manager Daily. Uh, I had half an hour, 40 minutes or so spare, and I wanted to um, start talking about something that I'm doing internally for some of the teams that I work with, but doing it in such a way that I can post on my own podcast. And it's about the things that I do, uh, which I've talked about before, but almost this is like a, a very quick, short, snappy kind of step-by-step instruction of all the things that I do. And you can apply the context of what I'm saying to your own organisational um, kind of set of processes and, and the environment to which you work in. So tooling and things I'm going to be agnostic about. I'm just going to talk about the steps that I do. Um, and I'm actually writing a blog post. I'm writing a blog post both internally and also for um, uh, my own website. So I'm just bringing that up now actually on, on screen and thinking about um all the conversations I'm having at the minute about well what do you do and and what do you do and I'm hoping to get um, some of my colleagues and peers together this year for a summit an annual summit uh, sometime in July and we're going to talk about project quality and things so um, so without further ado these are my kind of sort of 10 things that I will always do in every project and maybe you'll find this useful Uh, I hope so so let's start with the state that your project is going to be in and typically as a delivery manager your project is probably going to be in one of three states um it's either going to be brand new you maybe or maybe not have been involved in the bid you've won the bid or your organization's won the bid and you've got the project and it's brand new and you're the dm on that project and that's the first kind of project state that you're likely to find the second project state is the project's already in flight and it already has a team and it's on fire and everything's going wrong and you've been dropped in as the new DM. Maybe the other DM's left, maybe the other DM has been fired, uh, but that's the the second state. And the third is the same. The project's already in flight with an established team, but things are going well. And actually, there's a risk of you coming in as a new person and, and making it worse. So, you know, what kind of things do you do? So I'll talk first from a broader perspective and then focus on those three project states throughout and, and just keep them in mind. So when I start on a project, and I do this regardless of whoever I worked for or whatever the client was, the first thing I want to do is hone in on the commercials. I want to understand the contract, the agreed scope with the client, their expectations and what's been sold and for what cost. Whatever financial platform that you're using to track cost and track estimates and invoices and things, I want to make sure I've got access to that and the reporting that it can create. And I want to make sure that I've got an an ability to understand when people are logging their time against this particular project, that I can track that within this financial tool to be able to um, make uh, sort of proactive reports against burn down against the allocated budget. And I need to have a real thorough understanding of those commercials because ultimately the commercial lens is the primary lens of any kind of project in terms of how it's going. And we don't always think about that when we're down in the weeds delivering, but from a, but this is often why it's acceptable to have really bad ways of working or really janky processes where we don't think about the impact that might have on morale as much as the broader picture 
in terms of the client happiness and the commercials and that's a, le a level of sort of um, hierarchy probably at account director level that you're more interested in well ultimately is the client happy and commercially are we okay so I want to have a full grip on the commercials and make sure that if it's a financial tool that I don't know that I get to know to make sure if there's an account director in place that, that kind of does that that I've got a line into them to be able to do that as a DM, I'm probably signing off timesheets as well. So I want an ability to be able to track against submitted time versus activity done. And again, see that financial burn down to be able to have an understanding of if we've sold something to a client for £100,000, where are we in terms of spend the first six weeks in? Have we spent fifty grand? Is that an overspend? Is that an underspend? Have we got enough budget left to complete the thing? And getting on top of those commercials and after a, a recent um, personal uh, uh, matter I've had with just completely ignoring or not even thinking about a commercial element, and you know that's just been a mess. So really wanting to make sure that you've got to grip with those commercials is the first thing I would do as a delivery manager. The next thing I would do, and again, this can apply to any of the states of project, um, is learn the lay of the land. And what I mean by that is understand who the teams are and not just by job title or name or role, but get to understand the politics and the things behind the politics that are, whether you talk about it or not, will exist. There are going to be true influencers, true movers and shakers, the true people that make the decisions. And the people on paper that should do that maybe don't for whatever reason. And the quicker you can get an understanding of the true uh, political landscape, the more you can apply yourself in a way that is going to uh, cause the least amount of issues. So if you need to influence a project because the project's going south. You really want to know who the movers and shakers are that are going to help you to be able to do that and champion you. Or you might want to know who are the people that are causing the issues on the projects or that kind of thing. And you're really going to have to just not have this assumption that everything's a nice fluffy rainbow and everyone's got the best intent. It's just not how life is. So the next thing outside of all the commercials and the financial stuff is I want to know. I want to know about the people. I want to know who talks to who. I want to know, um, you know, who has aspirations to do a different job. Who thinks this person's rubbish? Who, who thinks this person's a hero? I want to understand where the bottlenecks are, where the, uh, the white knights are, the people that the white knight is the term of someone that solves a lot of problems but also creates them because of the way that they work for example so financials first and then next the political landscape of the people involved in the project and on that subject i'd probably start raising my hand at this point if there were loads of people masses of people you can listen to the last podcast where i talk about actually some of the biggest reasons projects fail is just too many people involved right so, but that's for the, the, the last episode. So listen to that if you want my opinion on, you know, how many people you should have on a project. So you've got the financial element and you've got the political element. The next thing I'd want to do is make sure that I just broadly understand what we're doing. So be able to explain in a couple of sentences what we're here to do. The outcome. And not only the outcome on paper, on the scope, but align that with the client stakeholder and make sure their expectations are aligned. And if that physically means physically talking to the client and taking them out and saying what do you expect from us um, 
or what do you expect from the team or what is the outcome you are hoping to achieve make sure that i understand that and i can articulate that and that's reflected and pollinated in all the work we do it's really important that we don't and teams don't blindly follow a scope or blindly follow a sprint and after 17 sprints you've still not delivered anything of any value because no one's really understood the outcome and therefore the value that you're trying to release and this is often why there becomes a big disconnect between client unhappiness and project teams because the project's lost its way between what you're here to do and if you're constantly thinking about the outcome and the goal regardless of people politics or kind of personal uh behavior um you can just des desensitize that and just focus on an outcome a business outcome or a business goal and as common sense as that sounds now talking about it on the podcast it's staggering how often that lack of alignment exists and and of course the the more likelihood that is to happen on more complex larger scale projects with more people involved so focus on the commercial first then understand the political landscape of the people then understand the actual goal and expectations of the client and what they want those outcomes to be and those are like a trifecta of kind of cornerstone things that i want to make sure i've got an absolute command of now obviously if this is a new project, a brand new Greenfield project. You can make sure that in a very nice, neat way, um, that's always understood and communicated. If you're going into an already in-flight project, you've got to do a bit of Columbo type work to kind of get that all together. But getting lost in the cadence of the project day to day, whether it's on fire or not, and just um, getting absorbed into the chaos and the politics and the noise and either being associated with it if it's going well or being associated with the mess if it's going wrong. You do that at your peril. You know, when you start on a project, that's the only time you're going to get to be able to influence it one way or another. So you need to use that time really wisely. So the next thing I do is onboarding and onboarding of people. So this is now more with a slant of this is a brand new Greenfield project. All the assets that you create, the communications that you build, synthesizing the scope of work into a meaningful backlog, all of that stuff needs to be available and documented in the most frictionless way possible for the teams that are joining. Projects lose dozens of hours on onboarding people that don't have context or background. And projects that go really well, and certainly the projects that I work on, I make sure that I set up really nice if we're using Confluence or we're using Azure DevOps and using the wiki function. But to make sure that there's a documented wiki that is not necessarily war and peace, that has, but that has this storytelling element. So if you were entirely out of context, but you're coming into the project blind, um, you could go to one place and learn about the project in a really nice linear way. And... You will only realise the investment of your time, the benefits of that investment when you start onboarding people into the future and realise that they've had a much slicker onboarding experience than just getting thrown into a project mid sprint on a Tuesday and expected to sink or swim. So I spend a huge amount of effort doing walkthrough videos of collateral or assets or bid decks and a recent project where we won a bid and actually uh, I walked new people through um, the presentation deck of what we were to deliver because that was a good way of articulating what the client wanted and the outcome that they expected, talking about the market that the client exists in too. But I would have had to have done that every time we introduced someone to the project and it would be reliant on me so I therefore become a bottleneck exponentially for every time I have to do it. So what I did was I created a video using Zoom and using the um, using uh, kind of the little recording ability and sit yourself over the slide and walk through the slide 
or the set of slides to kind of explain to anyone that watched the video in 15 minutes everything you could want to know about the client. And then what I did, create that asset once, put that onto the wiki, and it was the first thing that I sort of um, pushed people to when they joined the project. It also gave breathing space while you're setting up things like access to equipment or, or systems or platforms or sorting out emails. You can say, right, just as you're getting onboarded, here's a wiki and here's a video. Watch that and that's going to really um, sort of introduce you to the project in a nice soft way. And this is about using the technology that you've got available to you to kind of help save time. And saving time and the kind of repeatability of the things that you do is also something that I covered on the last podcast. So video is really important, I think, for onboarding, especially as we're working hybrid and we're not always together and we don't always have that face-to-face -face context. A little video that might seem a bit overwhelming if you don't do it all the time, but instead of giving someone a deck or a document, give them that deck or document, but also give them a 15-minute recorded video of you walking through it so people can get the context. That asset will be invaluable because you'll be able to seed that with anyone that comes onto the project to give them a baseline of knowledge and understanding that they wouldn't often get from just skim reading a document because they're under pressure to get onboarded quickly or going through you know 20 20 uh, powerpoint slides so financials political landscape understanding what the client wants and onboarding these are really important tenets of a project that you must kind of get right now if you're coming into pro obviously you know setting up that kind of groundwork for onboarding and ingesting new people onto your project probably more applies to a, a brand new project than it does projects in flight as a DM for projects in flight, what I'm looking for is still that key information. And I'm using myself as a case study to see how quickly I can get up to speed. If previous DMs or previous project teams have paid no credence at all to project setup, you can only um, you can only go downhill from there. If I can't within the first hour or two, regardless of complexity of project, understand the project, understand where we are and understand where we're going, you can almost guarantee that no one else does too. And that's my opportunity to just stop everything. Now, if you're in an agile uh, focused project, maybe you're running Nexus. Um, and I, I talk about this in a previous episode too. Um, you, if, for example, you can implement uh, a scrumble, which in Nexus is this stop event where you can just pause and just regroup. Now, you in other projects, I was thinking you could probably do that in other projects too. It's just not going to be called a scrumble. You can't always stop um, delivery, you know, just let it fall off a cliff, stop and, and get everyone together. But what you can't do as a DM is you can't just carry on in a sea of chaos expecting a better result because you're a different delivery manager. That's just not going to work. Let me use a real life example of the importance of quality onboarding material and how it saves me time again and again right now. So later this afternoon, I've got a call with three people that are about to come onto a project that I've been involved with for 15 months. Now, I'm able to onboard them really quickly with zero effort on my part because at four o'clock, I've already sent them a bunch of rich media assets, video walkthroughs, tutorials, and have all the assets to hand. Um, in collaborative tools like Miro to make sure that when they come into this call at four o'clock, they're already warmed up. And then we can use that time that we've got together to just fill in the blanks and by exception, color in another layer of detail and context that's cognitively much more easy for them to understand because they haven't had to start cold. Now that onboarding will take me an hour 
whereas for anyone else that might take three. And that's because six months ago I created those evergreen assets that will always be valid and always talk anyone through the minimum of kind of here's what we're here to do, here's a little about the client, here's a little bit about the project and the outcomes that we're trying to achieve. So creating those assets then have helped me now and that's a great example of how you can save yourself time as a delivery manager also. The next thing I tend to do and want to do is make sure, so we're now focusing on a brand new project and I think it's okay to just, let's assume now that we're starting on a, on a brand new project, is the sprint zero type activity, using the notion of sprints, the sprint zero is all these setup tasks that people seem to forget about or don't document or don't include in terms of project time. So that sprint zero for me includes things like mobilising the team, giving them access to platforms and systems and providing hardware and provisioning laptops and making sure that there's a terms of reference set up and that we've got an empty backlog that's accessible, whether it's Jira or Azure DevOps, making sure that people know how to access it and use it, where we've targeted, you know, people have used Jira, but they don't know ADO, so we need a bit of training on that. Maybe getting the, the client to do a little bit of a presentation of here's what we're here to do uh, getting a cadence of regular agile uh, events in place into a shared calendar so just to make sure everyone's on the same page and that in itself is a sprint and we refer to that as a sprint zero and it's important that you don't forget about those maintenance and housekeeping tasks because you need to pay credence to them because the project success is is predicated i guess on how um how organised you are, like everything in life. You plan for success or you don't plan and you get failure. So I always want to see these sprint zero type activities within a plan and always making sure that they're all bundled into an epic and the outcome of that is all of those things achieved, right, ready to kick the project off. So even on the second or third day, I want to be, and this moves me on to reporting, I want to be able to start reporting to the client how we're doing. So I want to make sure that there is a weekly cadence set up where the client knows on how they're going to get project updates. And my approach to communication and reporting is to get it to the recipient before they even ask for it. And that way you create space because most people fall over when they get pressured from uh, peers, colleagues, management or the client. How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? So by the third or fourth day into your project, you want to make sure that if there's an existing reporting mechanism there, that you're involved in that and you're adding value and content. Maybe you're using kind of a GDS style rag report, a weekly report, giving a at a glance kind of health check or a pulse check on how the project's going. Make sure that even if for the first week or two on a brand new project, and nothing's really happened towards a business outcome or project milestone that you're still reporting on, or well, hey, we've got all the engineers with the right laptops, they've got access to the development environments, they've got access to the development branches, and they're ready to go. We've got our testers with the automated frameworks in place and an assurance strategy. We've got our kind of technical architects with high level documentation, and we've identified spikes where we might need to do some uh, additional kind of research into a, a technical pathway. All that is still warrant of reporting on, even if it's not in the scope in terms of the client's outcome or expectations. And you really shouldn't brush that under the carpet or dismiss it or not pay adequate lip service. Um, lip service is the wrong word. Not pay adequate attention because the project will be mobilised to its success or failure based on how you know how much effort you put into these foundational stages of the project. So as a DM, you want to make sure that you've got all of that covered as well.
So I'm going to be exploring these topics more in detail over the next sort of days and weeks and certainly more uh, with my teams and peers and colleagues. But in short, as a DM, the things that we've covered just briefly is the, the financial and commercial element and make sure that you're all over the reporting and being able to track against progress. Making sure you have a thorough understanding of the political landscape, the people involved in the project, the real influences and problem causes and those that are white knights and everything in between. Making sure that you understand what the client wants and expects and making sure that that's aligned with what the team understand. Making sure that you pay credence to setting up the project for success in the first place using a sprint zero and documenting that. Making sure that your onboarding processes are as slick as possible and you're using repeatable kind of processes, assets that you've created using rich media like video to enable people to be onboarded in a much quicker and more contextual way. And I think that was it. So thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. I'm your host, Mario DeCristofano. As usual, if you want to get in touch, you can follow me on Twitter at DM underscore daily. But in the meantime, thanks for listening. I just want to take this opportunity to let you know that I do have a small web and app company that I run on the side to my day-to-day job. I build websites, small applications, and you can get in touch with me if you want a website built, maybe you want to start a new business or a side hustle, or you need to talk to someone for some advice, I'm not sure where to go. Get in touch with me at creativepixel.me.uk, quote the podcast, DM daily, you'll get a 10% discount on any work that you uh, have done with me. So check it out.